Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Minutes with Mute edition. Almost, really, actually six games in, so halfway through the season. I'm Mike Galtieri. Happy to have you on board. And your Boston College Eagles at the halfway point are 4-2. and two. So, Scott, first of all, thank you for coming on. Uh, you were down there in Raleigh, 28-23 to 23 loss. Just kind of take us to the scene. What was it like in Raleigh and, you know, a tale of two halves? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing you look at is that the, uh, offensively and defensively, you look at the, the big things that I talk about is third down, and BC was unable at the beginning of the game to get NC State off the field. Uh, they were really saved by turning NC State over a couple times and, and getting a couple turnovers deep in, in, in their own territory and maybe saving themselves from some points. But then offensively, their inability to kind of move the sticks and stay on the field and convert on third downs. BC was 0 for their first nine and didn't convert their first third down conversion until late in the fourth quarter. And they didn't get their first real kind of stop until on defense until late in the fourth quarter. So those those were kind of the issues that re, that have plagued them all year and really came to the forefront. But that being said, you saw in the second half and especially in the last quarter and a half after they blocked the field goal that team that we kind of all expected to play with that heart and that emotion and that toughness. And, and that team that brings that on both sides of the ball is a tough team to beat. And it's not always easy to bring that on the road, but when they brought that against NC State, NC State almost looked unprepared to deal with it. And without the you know ex- exceptional play from their you know, possibly all ACC possible all American quarterback Ryan Finley. I think you would have seen, you know, maybe a different result uh, because that momentum, that crowd went from being real loud and real crazy and calling me lots and lots of names to really, <laughs> to really quiet pretty quick as that as the scoring started to commence in the fourth quarter. What was the craziest name you recall from the Raleigh faithful? Uh, well, we're not going to print that online, but it had something <laughs> to do with my hairline and something to do with having relationships with myself that, that no one <laughs> else wants to talk about. But luckily, I'm, I'm strong, and I handled it well, and uh, I was pretty surprised because I, I never remembered the NC State fans for being that uh, vociferous as they were. And kudos to them. They were really involved in getting into it, and but I don't even really know if they realize that with me, it's that I, I, I don't call the plays and I don't coach the team. But apparently, I think my red pants and my bald head kind of st- stuck out, and that's why they felt the need to uh, come after me. I think now they're the top 25, they're all fired up, I guess. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And that's, you know, they're, they're a solid team. And defensively, they lost a lot of guys last year, but they made a lot of good adjustments, and they still have some pretty talented players on that team. And, uh, and anything like Ryan Finley, he although he did have two interceptions deep in, in BC territory, I thought he really made a lot of big plays and was the difference in that game with a couple big conversions late in the game. 
and he was very po- poised and very com- uh, very composed, and I thought he did well. And his receivers are uh, Calvin Harmon was really impressive. They're they're tall, they're rangy, they're athletic. Uh, they're they're a very talented team, and they can do some good things. They haven't really been tested so far this year because they didn't have that West Virginia game. But you know, if if they keep playing the way that that it looks that they they can play without turning the ball over, they could be a really tough team this year. Yeah, definitely a tough out in the Atlantic side. All right, you're a former QB. I always like to get your thoughts. How do you evaluate Anthony Brown during this game uh, with NC State? Well, it's the the one thing you're you're encouraged to see is that the the, the big strength that Anthony has is his ability to to throw the ball with accuracy deep down the field, and you saw that on a couple plays. Unfortunately, in the first drive, BC came out throwing the football, and they have Jeff Smith. AB has Jeff Smith wide open on a kind of a corner route, and he just misses him. And then there were two other plays where he missed Jeff again later, and then one where Jeff Jeff Smith dropped one. And those plays just don't happen every game. You know, you have to be you have to connect on those if you expect to separate, especially on the road. And their inability to hit that just kind of like they were enabled, unable to hit that in uh, in the Purdue game had hurt them. And and Anthony bounced back, though, and it was good. My, my concern was it was good to see him use his legs again. He had a nice big run after, after kind of like BC had kind of, they didn't know the NC State scored, BC gets the kickoff, and they looked like they were out of the game down 28-3. And then BC marched down the field, kind of spreading the ball out, quick passing game. They ran Anthony. And I think the coaching staff is now going to feel a little more comfortable putting the ball in his hands and letting him letting him run with it. And if, and if AJ can't play, you got to give the ball to your second-best player. And, and that's, a, that's AB and that's Anthony, and he needs to make some plays with his legs as well as with his arm. Also, to Scott, we got to mention AJ Dillon did not play, did not make the trip. He's day to day for Louisville. Do you think that affected the game? And how do you think the you know Ben Glines and company did in uh, re- replacing AJ Dillon? Yeah, it's it's tough because there's an offense that you you want to suit towards AJ and what he's good at and and what what skill set is best for him. And that skill set doesn't and that those plays don't necessarily work. For, for Benny Glines, and Benny had a great game. He had almost 120 yards in all-purpose yards. He ran the ball well. He had a touchdown receiving and running the football. It's just that his plays that he excels at aren't necessarily the same plays on offense that, that A.J. does. He can catch the ball in the backfield. He's a viable receiving threat coming out of there. And I think it took you know Scott Leffler and Coach Adazio a little bit to figure out what kind of rhythm and offense that they needed to run with that with that personnel group without having AJ out there, and it's accentuated because they spent most of the first half unable to stay on the field and convert on third down. That it took them a lot longer than it probably should have to kind of find that offensive flow. So BC loses twenty eight to twenty three. Now we have Louisville coming in. Uh, Louisville two and four. They've been struggling sixty six to thirty one a uh, week ago Thursday night. Uh, to Georgia Tech, they lost. And get this, uh, a freshman res- wide receiver, Scott. Tutu Atwell is a great wide receiver freshman, but is calling BC's defense slow in his press conference this week. You know, that's bulletin board material. What would you do if you were a player and you hear the freshman wide receiver yeah, talking like that? I never really got into the bulletin board material. I was already pretty self-motivated. It's always, But it's always nice to kind of see those things out there <laughs> because it gives you that opportunity to just, 
you know, just bark and, and get a little bit of chirp back at that. Now, uh, you know, Tutu Atwell is from Miami, from town in the Dade County area, and he's had a he's had a big game. He had two touchdowns versus Virginia Tech. He's averaging eighteen point eight yards a catch. He's an explosive guy. He's not he's not a tall guy. He's only about five nine, but he's pretty fast and he's pretty explosive. So I mean, to him, he may he's maybe used to some other things, but I, I think BC is is more athletic than than a lot of people give them credit for. But I mean. Hey, for a team that's coming off a loss on the road and they need a conference win, like there's nothing better that you can ask for than to hear that from someone like that. But I really think as, as BC, as you come into a, a, a game against Louisville, who, you know, they gave up 60, you know, as you mentioned, 67 points against Georgia Tech. One of, one of the things you noticed is that Georgia Tech actually one of their funniest tweets and shoutouts was like they when their plane landed back in Atlanta they actually said on their football website our tenth and final touchdown was safe in Atlanta as it shows the plane landing which is like a total burn <laughs> to all the Louisville people um, they are talented and an athletic team but they're a team that's kind of in disarray and with Bobby Petrino maybe in some uncertainty there because with their with their AD having left, Mike Jurisic has having left, is the team seems to be struggling with an identity. And when you lose a Heisman Trophy winner like Lamar Jackson, it's not easy to replace. And I think they're going through some of those pains right now. So let's let's go back to BC. What, what do you think their three keys to the game is really to get going, and uh, especially in the first quarter? They need to start fast. It's, you look at, at BC and under Steve Adazio, it, when they're leading at the half, they're 30, 30 and 3. And when they're down at the half, they're 2 and 30. I mean, those are pretty glaring stats. Yeah, no question. So it question. means that they need to start fast. And part of that is when you start fast, you take a team that may be internally struggling like Louisville, and if you get on them, if you get on them quick, then they start to you know kind of get back into that, you know, not believing in themselves, maybe internal yelling at each other and, and, and maybe not galvanizing themselves as a squad. But the longer you let a team like that hang around, the more that they they think that they can win. And especially if they get ahead, they're, they're a very good team that when they get ahead, it, they play in the front very well. They're very, they're very brash. They're very confident. And if you can take that away early and control the line of scrimmage, and, and get some points and force Louisville to score because Louisville's not a very dynamic team. They only average at about 20, 20 points a game, which is 121st in the nation of 129 teams. So they're a team that hasn't shown a lot of explosiveness offensively. And if you can get them behind the sticks and behind the scoreboard, you're just going to make it that much harder on them. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm. Based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum, CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. So, and then, you know, BC, how, about, how key will it be offensively to at least... You know, get a good start on those third down conversions. Really get a nice long drive going. Yeah, they they, they really do. The, the best, the, the most important part of that offense is is, is staying on field. And the more 
the more you look at it is it's you're looking at a team that like defensively BC's allowing 38% conversion rate on as a third down you know, on defense, that's 72nd in the nation. Yeah, not great. And Louisville's converting at 38.8%, which is 68. So if BC can control that matchup and then and then keep their ability to stay on the field and then make some big plays on top of it, then they're able to kind of get rolling and, and get to do what they want to do, and that's run with that aggressive, physical, downhill running style. And when they do that, and then maybe throw a couple big special teams plays, which you saw, you know, the much maligned special teams play. You see two block kicks against NC State, and those are units that can really kind of turn the tide of the game around. And then just a rat last question with Louisville. I mean, uh, yeah, Louisville, coming off a bye week next week, how much better does 5-2 and two sound versus 4-3? and three? Yeah, it, it's, definitely, it's definitely the place that you want to be, especially because you get another conference win. And that just you know improves your seating among among conference, and it's it's a home game. There's going to be some people there. It's going to be a cool fall day, and it's one of those things that BC, if they want to have a special season, they need to win to win this game and make a statement and make a statement for the for the rest of their schedule. Because you look at the next couple weeks, and you're looking at three top twenty teams. You're looking at Miami coming on a Friday night, then Virginia Tech on the road, and then Clemson at home. You're about to hit the toughest part of your schedule. You need to hit that with some authority and some confidence. And there's no reason that BC can't win win this game and put themselves in position to win these next three games. I have no doubt that if they play the way in which they played the last quarter against NC State, that they can win or at least compete strongly against those other three teams after this week. And then the bye week coming up. What's your favorite bye week? What did you like to do when you were a player, Scott, during a bye week? Two things. One, get physically healthy. Two, catch up and watch a bunch of tape on the, on the guys that you're playing and the guys you're playing and then your future opponents because you actually have some time to almost – it's like it's like when you get that project in, in college that they say, okay, beginning of the semester, you're going to – this is going to be due the second to last week of, of, of the semester. And you have that opportunity to get ahead of it and almost finish it before, before it's due. It's to get that like way head start on that. That helps you out so much because it just puts you in such a confident state of mind that you, as you go forward to the current game, you're, you're ready for that. You feel that you've, you've covered all the bases and then you get, and then you get some added study where you're able to kind of get ahead and watch watch some of these other teams and build towards that for the rest of the year. And it's coming at a good time, really almost at the halfway point for BC. Um, but you and, couldn't have asked for a, per, a more perfect time to to have that to have that bye week coming forward. But there's also a big stretch coming forward. It's a good chance to get a lot of guys healthy. A lot of guys have played a lot of snaps for BC, especially in the defensive end and. Even for for the guys on offense that need to need to get some more reps, I think you're going to find out that you're going to see a little bit of more understanding of how BC needs to play without AJ Dillon if he doesn't play this week. That they at least feel a little more comfortable about it because they they kind of found out in that NC State game how and why they need to play the the way in which they do. And Scott, just to wrap it up now, let's look around the ACC. What teams are? Showing some promise to you. What teams are not as well in your doing as well in your opinion? How do you see the ACC shaking up halfway through the year? 
Well, I mean, the no-doubter is Clemson, and uh, you get a lot of credit to Dabo Sweeney because you go to the, the Final Four with Kelly Bryant last year, and you pull the court early this season on him, and you play Trevor Lawrence, who is going to be the, you know, he looks as a way to be the difference between when, you know, ACC championship is good, but he's looking for national championships, and he feels that Trevor Lawrence is that guy, and he looks every bit of that part. Um, and then as for future guys coming on the schedule, you look at Miami, and they went through a quarterback change when they have Nikosi Perry playing right now. They just beat Florida State where they had to come back from 20 down. And they're a team that it's just every time you watch them, it looks like everyone just wants to give the Miami defense the ball. Maybe other teams love seeing the turnover chain. I don't know. But, <laughs> but that's what it is. I think you're finding Florida State is trying to find its identity uh, in, into who they are, Syracuse made the colossal mistake of letting one game beat them twice because they blew the end of the Clemson game and then they lose to a team on the road at Pitt that they probably shouldn't have lost to. And then Virginia Tech losing at home to Notre Dame. Virginia Tech, you know, breaking in a new quarterback with Ryan Willis. And I think he's a pretty talented guy and he's going to, you know, provide some problems. And Virginia Tech's not an easy place to play, but it's, you know, you look at, a, at another game like that is like, they're a talented team. They're defensively, they they they're not a team that lets you drive down the field. But Notre Dame made four plays in the second half that were big touchdown scoring, explosive plays that were really the difference in that game. Well, hey Scott, you know it's always exciting. You and as we know, the second half there'll be a lot of twists and turns in the ACC as well. But first, let's get that fifth win on Saturday as, as you enter the more friendly confines of Alumni Stadium. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully nobody yells at me this week and calls me a bunch of names that my mom would be really disappointed in. <laughs> All right, Scott, another Minutes with Mute. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot, Mike. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by a BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com.